Off the ball. This is News Talk. Football show coming up after nine. Dan McDonald will join me in studio. We'll have Michelle O'Neill as well on the line after officiating at the Super Cup final last night. Ronan Mullen is still in studio. And Mike Carlson is on the line. Evening, Mike. How are you? Very well. So, just over three weeks to go. It's come around quickly for the new NFL season. And we want to talk about a couple of the more interesting stories of the offseason. One of them is that of wide receiver Antonio Brown, who has moved from the Steelers to the Raiders, and on his day, Brown, one of, if not the most talented player in the league, since he was drafted by the Steelers back in 2010, no players amassed more receptions and receiving yards than Antonio Brown, so how is he settling in at the Raiders? (laughs) About as well as he was when he left the Steelers (laughs) last year, you remember last game of the season, he just said he didn't want to practice the day before the game, and uh, see you on game day, and they said no thanks. Um, they then traded him to Oakland for, for what amounted to a pittance uh, for a player of his talent. But um, I think probably realizing that the preseason games don't really amount to much and it's very hard for them to hold our interest, he's made life really interesting for us. Um, but the first thing was that he was injured or unable to practice so far in preseason because of a strange foot injury, which is the result of having a cryogenic treatment uh, during the summer, which has left his foot literally frozen apparently um hard to make sense of this whether the you know, photograph is uh, the photograph is up in front of us eternal yeah. life uh, for his feet but I'm not, I'm not sure about that um then the second thing came the nfl is requiring all players now to wear um a newer kind of helmet which has better protection against shocks and and therefore um concussion uh, a lot of people a lot of players wanted to keep their old helmets and last year they were grandfathered in so they could do it, um, but Antonio Brown now was saying that he wasn't going to play until he was allowed to wear his old helmet, which the league won't do. It's not a team issue, it's a league issue, and apparently he's now given in on that one and um, will practice as soon as his his foot is thawed out or whatever else is wrong with it. <laughs> but in the meantime, he's being sued by a professional football chef who he hired a couple of years ago. He rented a house at the Pro Bowl, um, brought in his own chef, invited 40 or 50 people to stay with him, um, paid the guy whatever the down payment was, and then left owing him $38,000. He offered to give him that value in social media boosts, which would be a great way for any of us to get through life. You know, it's it's like, um, yeah, come and stay with me and cook for 40 people for a week, and then I'll mention you on Twitter once or twice, and we'll call it quits. I, I wish I could do that. Um, but anyway, the guy is suing him in uh, court now, so that, that uh, shouldn't interfere with his football career once his foot lets him back on the field, but it's just another distraction, and, and it keeps it entertaining with him. So a quiet off-season is what you're telling us for Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, somebody has to do something to exactly. make it interesting. You know, yeah. what we used to call the exhibition games back in the good old days, they now call them preseason games, are you know not meaningless in the sense that the teams get value out of out of them because they're trying out new players and and uh, seeing what they can do. But from a from a fan's point of view, uh, you know, they're, they're somewhat disappointing, which is why the league is trying to cut the preseason games down to two and add two regular season games to the schedule. But um, 
you know, that, that's not necessarily, especially from a player's point of view, the best solution um, is, is punishing yourself for two more games. But um, what, what is a possible solution without adding games would be what some teams, more and more teams now are doing, what they call joint, um, joint um, practices, right. uh, what, what we used to call scrimmages, um, where the teams practice together in, in almost game conditions, but it gives them a chance to protect players better and, and, and um, you know, use them better. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, if, if you have anybody listening who wants to be paid with exposure, um, you know, <laughs> give, have them give me a call. <laughs> we, we certainly will, or they can get you online, I'm sure. So just on the Antonio Brown that the Raiders are getting, you look at him and there is no doubting the talent that has been there. He became the first player in NFL history to more than 1,000 yards, receiving and returning in the same year. 2013 became the only receiver in NFL history to record five receptions and at least 50 yards in every single game of an NFL season. He's a guy who has broken records. He led the league in receiving yards in 2014 and 2017. Is that Antonio Brown gone forever, or can they rekindle that at the Raiders? I think they can rekindle it. Um, you think about what they did last year. Um, they got rid of Amari Cooper partway through the season for a, a first-round draft pick. They replaced him with Antonio Brown, and I think they gave the Steelers a third and a fifth or something like that. So that was a good deal all, all the way around. And Brown is, to me... An old school receiver. The, the classic uh, blend nowadays is guys who are long, tall, um, long strides, long arms, can fight for 50-50 balls. Um, Brown is more old school. He's a guy who gets himself open by running very good patterns, by by fooling defenders, uh, by getting past them with a move and then and then outrunning them. He has great hands. His replacement at Pittsburgh, Juju Smith-Schuster, is more of that kind of big receiver who's in vogue now. And, and Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm sure, didn't think they were going to um, to miss Brown that much, or was he? You know, he wasn't worth the trouble, shall we say? But I think in Oakland, John Gruden, uh, last year's new coach, with his offense, he's perfect fit for that. Derek Carr likes to throw a lot of shorter stuff, and Brown will be open on a lot of that stuff. He's fearless going over the middle, which is really important. In that kind of offense, he's great with the ball once it's in his hands. I mean, he's a tremendous player. And if you think of, you know, football as a somewhat anonymous game for players apart from quarterbacks, the one exception to that rule really are wide receivers and defensive backs, cornerbacks, because when they're split out and they're isolated on the field, it's really a mano-a-mano kind of situation, um, much like basketball, you know, where you're, you're going one-on-one and it's a thing, you know, I'm in your pace, I'm going to beat you, you're not going to beat me. And so these guys tend to have that kind of an attitude, which is why so, why so many of them are always giving us good stories to play with. And just in terms of the Raiders, Mike, um, perennially one of the most storied franchises, but always one of the more troubled ones as well, it seems. This is their last year in Oakland, and they're trying to make a grand exit by bringing John Gruden back last year. Things didn't quite go to plan. He's tried to reshape things, trying to put his own stamp on the team, it would seem. How are things shaping up in Oakland? Are they in for a better season this year? You have to think so. Um, you know, the talent level is a lot better. Gruden brought in a guy called Mike Mayock um, as his general manager, who was another guy who came in from television. Mayock was basically a, a draft analyst and a, and a color commentator. Um, you know, an, another job I would volunteer to do. Um, 
if they wanted social media for payment. Um, but he's got a 10-year contract in Oakland, so obviously he was in for the long haul. And last year was a cleaning-out process, um, trying to dump guys who they thought were overpaid, guys who didn't fit in with what he wanted to do. This year he started to to put a new a new team together in his image. So this is where it will really be a test. But when you have a 10-year deal, um, you're not really under pressure even this year to deliver right away. And part of the reason we all assume that Mark Davis, the owner, hired Gruden was that when they get to Las Vegas, he's going to be the kind of big-name media personality who's going to attract attention in Vegas and thereby help the team sell tickets. So, you know, I think Gruden's probably got a pretty long leash on uh, rebuilding terms. And, and in that division... Um, Oakland, it's going to be a tough division, but Oakland and Denver are probably the two behind San Diego and Kansas City. Kansas City got that big break when Tyreek Hill was not suspended. He's going to be back for the season. Um, I might have said San Diego. I meant the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm still old school. But the Chargers have a ton of talent, always seem to be able to figure out a new way you know, not to go all the way in the playoffs. I don't think Oakland's ready to challenge them, but they probably are ready to challenge the Broncos. Um, possibly move move uh, ahead of them, and it's it's going to be interesting to watch what happens in in Vegas because of course half the Oakland fan base um, will have to check with their parole officers before uh, they know if they'll be allowed to cross the state line into Nevada to root for the Raiders. And just on Gruden, you mentioned his TV work. So he burst onto the scene as like the hot young thing back in the early noughties and had great success, won a Super Bowl, was snapped up by TV and spent had a big sojourn there, it would seem. And now he's back. And we've noticed, like it was interesting you mentioned the dual scrimmages with other teams, like Sean McVay had the Rams in with the Raiders in this offseason. And it seems to be a trend with Cliff Kingsbury and these kind of guys, younger, uh, progressive thinkers. Is there any sense at all that the game might have passed John Gruden by in the time he's been out of the game? That was that's a really good question and it's also one of the things that a number of, you know, um really sharp analysts were thinking about last year. Um I think that he probably realized Partway through the season, that he that he would have to do some catching up in those terms, and the, and the modern the modern offenses were were something he'd have to learn. He'd have to get away from. He's a sort of classic West Coast offense guy, and um, the the um, but the thing with um, like. Cliff Kingsbury um, and bringing these college offenses in is that a lot of teams are actually using elements of that already, um, not least the Patriots um, and in the West, back to the Wes Walker days. And Wes Walker played um, at Texas Tech uh, where Kingsbury was a quarterback. So that those concepts are spreading around the league and, and it's becoming a real passing, passing first league. And um, I, think, I think that won't bother Gruden, but I think he will have to adjust his systems to that. And, you know, among the things are, like last year, they were trying to go with Marshawn Lynch as, as their power running back and build a power running game, and that didn't work. In these kind of offenses, your running backs are, are almost primarily um, receivers, and uh, you're using a lot of op- run-path options and things like that, that that mean they have to be involved as receivers as well as, as runners. So it, I think Oakland's one of the interesting teams to watch, but I don't really think it's going to all click for Gruden um, this year. And, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, 
and Arizona went out and Kyler Murray, the first round draft pick overall, um, played one series and completed six of his seven passes. And that sounds exciting, but again, it's preseason and you don't know what defenses, well, what, what you do know is the defenses aren't game planning to stop him. They're just showing very simple defenses to see what players can do and not give too much away about what will happen in the regular season. Mike, just before you go, we have a, a text in uh, following on from our Antonio Brown conversation asking you to give your top five talented troublemakers tolerated by franchises in the NFL. Very much put on the spot. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, is Antonio in, Brown in a troublemaker history, or just a pain in the ass? In history or, or, or current? Um, play, Odell Beckham would, would probably be top of the list. Um, you know, Not only did the Giants bend over backwards to be nice to him, but... Um, he then left saying that they hadn't done anything for him. Um, Randy Moss would be another. Um, and, and again, what, what you've got, Rodney Harrison of the Patriots would probably be another. What you often have is you just have to move into the right, um, into the right atmosphere uh, on a team to make that, uh, make that work. Um, I know a lot of troublemakers who weren't accepted by their teams, and those names are all ju- jumping into my head right now, but, but um, none, none of them went. You could, you could say Steve Smith in a sense, um, another receiver, but Smith was more combative than, than trouble. He was not trouble off the field or in the, in the, the clubhouse. He was just something. Oh, um, Bronte's perfect. Uh, the linebacker for the Bengals, uh, who's now gone to the Raiders, um, where his defensive coordinator at Cincinnati is the defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. Uh, you know, Berthick was suspended virtually every year of his career um, for foul play on, on the field. The teams would put up with, or the Bengals would put up with it because um, that was okay. You can go back for, through the Bengals' history and find other guys, too, because they often took risks. You know, a guy who's got what they call in the NFL character issues hmm. um, is often available as a bargain, either low in the, lower in the draft than he should be or, um, you know, released by his team who couldn't couldn't uh, cope with him any longer. And so teams are always willing to give talent uh, um, a chance. You know, it's sometimes to a really, um, to a really embarrassing level when, it, when, you know, when you're dealing with some of the more serious offenses we've seen in the past few years in the NFL. And Terrell Owens, Mike, um, someone who made it into the Hall of Fame last year quite late, like by modern standards, to what extent do character issues like that or like Antonio Brown's affect Hall of Fame candidacy and just how players are perceived in retirement? It, it's a really that's a, a really tough one because because the group that votes for them are, are sports writers and and so they're often willing to give players a break on certain things but not on others. Um, there are players of Hall of Fame care, uh, quality who will never get in because of, of various things um, off the field in their lives, even if they took place after their well, football career. There was a tackle called Jim Tyler uh, who played for the Chiefs in their first grade issue era. And um, he committed suicide, and um, it, was, it was a combination murder-suicide with his family about 10 years after he retired. Um, with what we know of, of CTE, you know, I, I would go back and, and sort of possibly revisit Jim Tyler, you know, and, and look at him more as, as a victim um, as well as as well as as a um, criminal, but he's never going to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, if you piss uh, or if you irritate, I should say, the uh, press, the, they're the guys who vote um, on it. So those those people have a tougher time as well. But nowadays, 
the way that the way that uh, flamboyance and uh, building building a personality and a brand, so to speak, even if it's a brand of you know of um, of, question, of questionable character, um, not role model necessarily. I think that trumps that trumps everything nowadays. Mike, great stuff. I'm sure we'll check in with you before the start of the season. Oh, sure. Anytime, guys. Always enjoy it. All right, Mike Carlson there ahead of the start of the new NFL season, just over three weeks away. Exciting times. Who are you tipping? I always pick someone else and the Patriots always win, so let's just go with them again. <laughs> All right, uh, cheers for that, Ronan. Dan McDonald will join us in studio next for the football show. Uh, Michelle O'Neill will be with us as well to reflect on officiating at the European Super Cup final last night. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.